What's up, everybody, and welcome into this special edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I'm Jonathan Hood. Hope that you are well. Hope you get a chance to follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at WrestlingTWT. At WrestlingTWT is where you can find me. Today's special episode of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday is regarding the World Wrestling Entertainment after WrestleMania. And as we mentioned in previous episodes of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, we reviewed WrestleMania, we reviewed NXT from WrestleMania weekend, and we also have the conference call for you, my review and the conference call and the fallout from the WWE in their first voyage with Peacock for WrestleMania weekend. It's all on Wrestling TWT. Check it out. On this podcast, if you missed it, go back and listen to previous previous episodes of my thoughts on WrestleMania and NXT that took place in uh, Tampa, Florida. Well, in this issue, we'll talk about World Wrestling Entertainment because the WWE continues to be very interesting. It's the lead dog. There's no question about it. North America, around the world, people are familiar with the WWE. And you know, like I know that the WWE is wrestling. In some places called wrestling. But Vince McMahon is someone who wants to make sure that you know that his company is not just about wrestling, it's about sports entertainment. The stories I've heard over the years about the way WWE has done their business over the last 40 plus years is that Vince McMahon wants to make sure that his company's in the mainstream. Just like Hollywood. You know that if you're a wrestling fan, I know that as well. It was also very important for the WWE to get into the mainstream when it comes to not only marketing, but also revenue. Have you seen some of the commercials around WWE programming, whether it's on Raw or SmackDown? For many, many years, promoters that were in the territory days, no matter where it is, around the country, around the world, wish they had a jeweler, wish they had fast food, wish they had the type of inventory that the sales staff puts together for the WWE. So no matter if we complain about the storylines, no matter if we complain about how dull or how odd or how lame some of the storylines could be leading into big events for the WWE, people are still watching. And maybe it's not as many as it was in the Attitude Era, or the Ruthless Aggression Era, but people are still watching and keeping it viable. This is why there have been so many fans across the country that are looking for this viable, strong, number two wrestling company that can be able to compete toe-to-toe with Vince McMahon and the WWE. And it's impossible to do that at this point in time. You can have a good wrestling show. You can be the polar opposite of Raw and SmackDown and what the WWE does. But when you really peel back the layers of the WWE, what they do in Stanford, Connecticut, in their offices, is pretty simple. Their mission statement is pretty simple. And it's so simple that the average fan will continue to watch no matter what. I've always equated wrestling with Teams, sports teams. So if you're a lifelong Braves fan 
and you know that the Braves have gone through their ups and downs, you say, you know what? I'm always going to stick with the Braves no matter what. They can lose 100 games. They can be in the mix and lose in the first round. They can win the championship. But I'll always be an Atlanta Braves fan. San Francisco 49ers, the legacy of the 49ers. You know, the 49ers are down now, but boy, you know, I remember when they were great. I'll always be a 49ers fan. For some that watch wrestling, you'll always have your team. For generations, World Championship Wrestling, the NWA and WCW, that was their team. That was their team. And no matter what, through the ups and downs, that was their team. I'll give you an example. I'll use me as an example. For someone that really uh, enjoyed the NWA when it came into the Chicagoland area in 1986 when I started watching on syndicated television, you know, I really enjoyed the NWA because it was so different and so opposite of the cartoonish WWF at the time. And I was still going to matches when WCW was down, 1991, going to my college friends to the UIC Pavilion at the time, going to the Hammond Civic Center, traveling, just dropping in, seeing the match. Knowing that the shows are not as good when Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes are out on top, I was still watching. You know why? Because that was my team. That was my team. And this is why AEW fans prefer what they are watching on a regular basis or NWA fans or MLW fans or uh, New Japan fans because that's your team no matter what. And so the statement from WWE ultimately is we have our game plan. We're going to do things our way and either you're going to enjoy what we feed you or you can go across the street to the other restaurant. But they're not stopping the way they do business. Unless someone like the WCW did for 83 weeks plus under Eric Bischoff. Unless someone comes along and knocks them off and says, you know what? This company is competing with us on Monday nights. And this company is competing with us on Tuesday nights. And this company is competing with us on Friday nights and beating us. Well, we got to change our business plan. That's exactly what happens in WWE when they were getting their ass kicked by Eric Bischoff and WCW. All of a sudden, they became ruthless aggression. All of a sudden, they became the attitude era. All of a sudden, they need to just raise the level, raise the bar about the way they were doing business. What I'm going to play for you is an interview that Colin Cowherd did with the WWE president, Nick Khan. Now, the reason why I want to play this for you here on this edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday is because Nick Khan is a former uh, head of CAA. If you are a big wig in the broadcasting business, you are part of CAA. And I know friends of mine that are in CAA and they're paying a ton <laughs> just to be able to have that status of having great agents to represent them and ball players and the like. Colin Cowherd, a guy who thumbed his nose at professional wrestling for generations, saying that you and I are booger eaters, that we are, are the worst of the worst when it comes to sports slash sports entertainment. Now, Colin's into it. And you know why? Because Fox is into wrestling. So now wrestling fans are not booger eaters anymore. Now, on a semi-regular basis, you'll see Colin Cowherd talk about wrestling. Well, God bless him. So I want you to hear the conversation that Khan has with Nick Khan, the WWE president, 
And I'm going to play a question and answer, and I'll stop it and talk about it in between. But I just want you to listen to how Nick Khan, who's now part of the WWE, how he has put himself in the mix and understands that, hey, you know, no matter what I knew about wrestling before, hey, I've got to be able to conform what the McMahons want. Tell me what Nick Khan says. Does it make sense to you as a listener? Let's shift to WWE, which you now run under Vince McMahon. And this will be a naive question, but for the listener, I don't know the answer to this. I look at WWE as an entertainment company. Now you've got tentacles in broadcasting and streaming, alliances and partnerships. So my, my first intuition is, oh, you're an entertainment company. Is that how you view and Vince views WWE? So two things on that. Make, make no mistake about it, and I appreciate the compliments. There's only one person running the WWE, and that's not me. That's Vince. <laughs> I happen to work for him and help him uh, in that venture. But yes, I think the, the interesting thing when I took the job, uh, you and a handful of other people, Kirk Herbstreet in particular, you two both, said you're going to run a media company. I think you saw it the exact same way that I saw it. And again, I'm not running it. Vince is running it. But it's not a wrestling company. In fact, we don't use that term here. It's sports entertainment. It's world wrestling entertainment, which obviously makes up for WWE. So, yes, we see it as a company no different than any other entertainment company. The podcast space, the scripted space. We have an unscripted show. Not this weekend. This weekend is obviously WrestleMania coming up April 10th and 11th. The following weekend, we have a memorabilia show debuting or premiering on A&E about WWE memorabilia and the people who have purchased it, sort of like Pawn Stars, if you will, in the WWE yeah. state. Right? Same weekend, we have a, the biography series, if you remember, on A&E. They used to have great biographies of different people uh, in recent you know, American history or even international history. We have eight biographies coming out on WWE wrestlers. So there's nothing, in my opinion, that we can't do. We're already in merchandise. We're already in toys. We're already in video games. But expanding further into the media universe, that's priority number one. Let me stop it right there. So Nick Khan, who's not been with the company very long, already understands what McMahon wants. We're not a wrestling company. We're an entertainment company. And you and I both know that, yeah, they're wrestling and more. Actually, they are a wrestling company. But they add so much else to it. If you were, if the WWE is just a wrestling company, uh, they would have a hard time surviving. <laughs> so it's smart that they get in these other spaces, these other tentacles around the company, around the wrestling, to be able to make money and create awareness. That's the number one thing for a radio station a radio cluster, television station, television networks, anything else is the marketing. The WWE is a wrestling show, but there's so much more around it. You just heard from Nick Khan right there. Lay out all the other stuff that they've got. Now, this is right during WrestleMania weekend, but of course, I'm sure that you've read that you know, the Stone Cold Steve Austin documentary. I mean, I've heard every Stone Cold Steve Austin story. So for those that don't know Steve, this will be a revelation. I've not watched it yet. I'll get around to it. But I'm sure that I've heard every story because I've heard and uh, from Steve, read Steve's books, and seen documentaries in the past for, about Steve Austin. So it, it, I think nothing will be a surprise to me, but I will watch and review and take a look at it myself. 
But all the other stuff that they deal with makes it bigger, which has been the issue with wrestling companies in the past, just professional wrestling and nothing else. That's what makes the WWE special to others. Like if you're not, I, I love the idea that if you're not watching Raw and SmackDown, or if you're not watching every pay-per-view, they're going to give you something wrestling. I have friends of mine that are not diehard wrestling fans, but when the WWE Network was viable, especially when it was free, people would tune in and be like, oh, I remember this from the 90s, or I remember this from the 80s. And they would tune in because it was nostalgia. Same thing by just getting in the space of documentaries. As as um, Conrad Thompson does his thing with his podcast empire, and what's happening with Vice with their documentaries, which have been great beyond the mat. You got to be able to see some of this great stuff um, that they've done on Vice. Now the WWE, they're like, wait, we got to get in this space too so we can tell a better story. And look what they're doing. They find a way to keep awareness, and that's very key. Okay, now you'll like this part. Uh, this is where I want to get to. Listen to Con Coward's next question and Nick Khan's answer. You know, it, it's many wrestlers. Here's the criticism I heard before you took the job. Because when you took the job, I started asking people, people that I knew that were diehards, what's the strength, what's the weakness? And some had said, hey, listen, man, it's hard to find a rock. It's hard to find a Hulk. There's so many, so many Stone Cold Steve Austins in the world. And just like the NBA, you, you have a Michael Jordan, he retires. The league dips. I mean, the NBA was in trouble before Magic and Bird saved it. Dr. J, Magic Bird, Michael Jordan. Then you went through like an eight-year lull where you needed Kobe and a Shaq. It's hard to find stars. And, so, and people that I knew that knew wrestling said they, they – that's going to be the challenge to keep it fresh, find your stars. And then I thought to myself, well, where the hell do you find stars? Do you go to college football campuses, NFL guys? Do you have a scouting department? Where do you find your next stone cold? We do. And by the way, to, to your point, a couple things. If you look at, you, you mentioned how the NBA went through lulls in superstars. If you think back to when you and I were much younger, think 1984 in particular, there was a moment in time where the individual sports in the United States were as big or bigger than the team sports. So Mary Lou Retton, Carl Lewis, Evander Holyfield from that 84 Olympics. Burton Magic came in late 70s. It wasn't really until Jordan came in that the NBA became the NBA. If you remember even the NFL, it, it, it was it, it's sort of what happened to boxing. If you look at the individual sports from that era, they all fell off a cliff in terms of the popularity of their figures. And yeah, every so often you'd get a Michael Phelps, but you wouldn't get him every four years. The team sports, because they were so organized in their structures, really accelerated to where football really became America's pastime, in my opinion, the NFL. The individual sports all dropped off, except for WWF slash WWE. So Vince and the team here, their ability to create and recreate characters one after the other to know what's sort of what's resonating with the fan base at this moment in time. So, yes, we have full time people here who are constantly scouring the earth for the next great superstar. What we've all realized is the next great one never looks like the last great one. So when somebody says, get me the next Colin Cowherd, like that's not what the next big thing 
in the audio space is going to be. You already have one Colin Cower. You have to have something that's almost completely different than you in order for it to resonate. If not, it's just you light. So that's really what we're focused on. And we are focused internationally because for each Manny Pacquiao that develops in the wrestling space, the media rights in that country go up as well as the interest in that sect of the U.S. population who's following that fighter from their home country. So it's something we're looking at day to day. <laughs> That's bullshit. <laughs> That's bullshit right there. I love that. Nick Khan is very good at this, right? Very smooth. But what he says is not truthful, and here's why. The one thing he did not mention is that it's ultimately up to Vince McMahon to decide who is going to be the next guy. And what we have seen since John Cena left is that Roman Reigns is the guy, right? Roman Reigns is the guy, and Brock Lesnar is the guy. Great. But the issue is, is that in the modern day of the WWE, it comes across as if 99.9% of that locker room can never be the guy. John Cena, it's a story that's been told on Jim Ross's podcast as of this week, as we record this today, the Jim Ross podcast, Grill and JR is talking about John Cena. And Jim's told this story many times, but if you've never heard it, Jim says that he went to California, to Rick Bassman's camp in California, looking for the next guy, looking for superstars to be part of the WWE in the uh, Ruthless Aggression era in 2004. Found John Cena. Talked to John Cena. John Cena was an historian of the WWE. Loved the WWE from his days growing up in Massachusetts. Was, uh, was a football player and loved the sport and was training to be a wrestler. And Jim was so giddy after talking to John Cena. He flies across country back to Connecticut. He goes right to the office and tells Vince McMahon, I talked to John Cena. He's a lifelong fan this guy here gets it he's got a great body great attitude i just signed for you your main event in five years at wrestlemania and you know what vince said you need to go home and get a shower i don't know what you're talking about now he didn't see john cena but just completely just dissed jim as someone who was recruiting talents by the way and said john cena will never be that guy We've heard this story about Mick Foley. Like, Mick Foley is the heavyweight champion. That's never going to work. No one wants to see that. Right? The Undertaker has a gimmick, but never is going to be world champion. Stone Cold Steve Austin. He was going to be Chili McFreeze until he came up with the name Stone Cold Steve Austin. That guy will never be on top. It's amazing. What Nick Khan said, to an extent, is true. Yeah, they're scouring the earth. But you actually don't have to do that unless you just look at your locker room. You, listening, me, as a fan, I can look at that locker room and say, you know what, Roman Reigns is the guy now, but in a year or next five years, it's going to be Kevin Owens. As a promoter, I can make you believe that Kevin Owens is the best talent in the WWE. You know why? Because I'll put him in a position to succeed. You know that promoters can put a rocket ship up the ass of anybody on the roster and make you believe that this is the next person. And either you're going to like it or not. But you can do that. 
What do you think that Vince McMahon thought about Adam Cole coming in? I've paid for Adam. I paid money to see Adam Cole wrestle in ROH. I know that he was solid, right? CM Punk, another example. Daniel Bryan is another example. You think Vince wanted those guys to be a champion? Now, they were WWE champion because he finally acquiesced, but they were never the guy. But how come CM Punk couldn't have been the guy? The guy was over as a babyface or a heel or shades of gray. But nah, because he just, ah, I just don't feel it. Well, why don't you? Why don't you? The fans could cheer and lose their voice and, and jump up and down and say, this is the person. I love this guy. Every time he wrestles, I go get a ticket. I bring my family. I love Daniel Bryan. Nah, Daniel Bryan can't be the guy. And why not? Because Vince says so. So the idea that Nick Khan says, or Colin Coward says, oh, you know, it's hard to find the next Hulk. It's hard to find the next Steve Austin. Well, who are those guys before they came to the WWE? It was up to Vince to make that decision. Do not let Nick Khan or Colin Cowherd BS you. Any of those wrestlers, a lot of those wrestlers, I won't say any, a lot of those wrestlers, tenured wrestlers, could be the top guy if you allowed it to happen. But when you start and stop, you change your mind every day, and all you come up with is, well, Roman Reigns is the guy. Okay, well, who's next to be the guy? Um, I don't know, but Roman Reigns is the guy. Okay, we, we got to find another guy, right? It, it's not going to be Brock. We've seen that, right? Is that going to be Hulk Hogan or Ric Flair? Even Ric Flair, I mean, I'm sure he wasn't enamored with Flair when he won the championship in the early 90s in the WWE. So that I when I, when I heard that earlier, I said, I got to play that for you. Oh, well, we're, we're looking for the next guy. Is it almost the guy that's next to uh, AJ Styles? Ridiculous. No, and how patient are you when you invest in a personality? How long before you know? Okay, we got to turn him into a heel. It's not working. No, we got to flip him into a good guy. I mean, what? how much research do you need to see? Do you make those calls? Does Vince make those calls? I, I don't make those calls. Vince and Bruce Pritchard, who's the head writer here at Triple H, otherwise known as Paul Levesque, uh, they make those calls. But something that we're all paying attention to every day is what is the audience saying? Yes. So it's one of the things that when we entered the pandemic, it was tricky for us. Because getting that audience reaction, you know if somebody's over, which is the wrestling parlance for if somebody's become popular, you know if they're over by how the audience is reacting. We had no audience. Ultimately, we filled in that gap through the technology of a company called The Famous Group, where we have all of these screen sets and people reacting in real time to what's going on in the ring, which gives us a sense of whether something's working or not. So a lot of people just go to Twitter. What... My personal thoughts on Twitter, you have a very small percentage of the population that are very vocal and very influential there. I don't want us to be influenced by that. That's just one voice to look at. But what we want to look at is the actual massive voice that's present in this country and internationally. And that's through audience reaction. (laughs) That's really a look behind the curtain of the WWE, isn't it? <laughs> Audience reaction. Okay. So when you see fans rooting for Daniel Bryan, 
getting behind the yes chant, and yet you still bury him. What does that say? Are they really listening to the fans? Actually, that last cut is the biggest lie that the WWE wants to perpetrate on the audience. We listen to our fans. We know what our fans want. No, Vince decides what the fans want. And you have a right to do that, by the way, as a promoter. You have someone you want to put your, put the rocket up their, their ass and you want to make them champion and you want to put them on TV all the time. That's fine. That's your choice. But don't lie to us to make it seem like what we want we get because ultimately we do not. We do not. I just think that that's funny. So you have research, market research. What does your research say? When fans, when we had fans are cheering for a certain guy, does that resonate to Vince McMahon? Clearly it does not. Claudio Castagnoli, a guy that I saw at ROH and I have watched for years toil in the WWE. Never getting the brass ring. Vince McMahon, last time he had his long, last long-form interview that he had it was with Stone Cold Steve Austin and dissed that guy for no reason. Maybe it was because of language barrier, whatever, but the guy can work. If we turn the clock back 25 to 30 years, that guy's in a mask, and that guy is winning championships because he can work. He beat Seth Rollins, another guy that's very good, that I watch at ROH. That's a lie, because we have seen fans, you've been there, I've been there, at arenas across this country, to hear how fans react, you're like, boy, every time she comes out, every time he comes out, boy, that person's over. Yeah, but they can't be the face of the company, because I say so. It's not about the market research that Nick Khan says. It sounds good, but if they're getting it from arenas, when we had fans in arenas, and you heard the what people thought, right? Uh, it doesn't really matter to Vince. I love that cut because I know that that's a lie. Is um, is a heel ever as popular as a beloved figure at WWE? I believe so, and I'll give you a couple of examples of it. Ric Flair, for most of his career, heel. You see people to this day imitating Ric Flair <laughs> and, and all of those things. The, the Rock, for a great portion of his career, your, your, your hero is only as good as your villain. So if you had Stone Cold either wearing the white hat or the black hat and The Rock wearing the opposite hat, that what's made, that's what makes for a great rivalry. I'm not sure that Muhammad Ali is Muhammad Ali without Joe Frazier. And I think that applies to every sport. So what happens sometimes, so we, we talked about Michael Phelps earlier. You talk about now with the NBA. NBA is having some ratings issues, as are all properties, especially those on linear television. What's the rivalry right now? What's the Lakers-Celtics or the Lakers-Pistons or the Pistons-Bulls in the Eastern Conference or the Bulls-Knicks? All the things that we grew up on, even Golden State the last couple of years. Get a mega team before the team was disassembled and suffered injuries and all that. You had a mega team. You had LeBron over in the East. That was always going to make for a good battle. What's the rivalry now? So that matters, I think, in every sport, and it definitely matters in ours. All right. 
So what's the rivalry in the WWE? What's the one that we got to watch in the WWE? Raw, SmackDown, NXT, NXT UK. What's the rivalry? What's the one that we've got to watch? That is an ongoing storyline that we watch every single week that we just can't wait to see. Which one is that? Nuts. Crazy, right? Okay. One more. It's a personally kind of a, a personality profile on Vince McMahon. Colin Cowherd from the Colin Cowherd podcast from Volume asked Nick Khan, the president of the WWE, about Vince McMahon. That's the reality of it. Um, I don't see him as a guy, Vince, who's scarred by it. Like, he's, he's a businessman. Knowing Vince's personality, when you first met him, there's the picture of Vince, we've seen the interviews, and then you meet him. Anything surprise you about Vince and his personality? Yes, I, th- I think a couple things. Number one, because he is perceived as so tough and because he is so tough and he's perceived as so smart and he is so smart, people don't realize how polite he is. He's very polite and he likes polite people. So he's not a gruff executive. Um, he's formal in a way. He's old school in that way. So he there's not a lot of small talk. Not interested in that. And by the way, Colin, just like you're not interested in a lot of small talk. No. I'm not interested in a lot of small talk. <laughs> we talk about this all the time. Correct. But how you doing? How's Ann? How's the kids? Everybody's good. Everyone's all How's your wife? How's the kid? Everyone's great. All right, let's talk shop. But right? that's the conversation over and over between you and me. Very similar to the conversations with him. He's always interested in talking business. If you call him at 2 a.m., almost every one of my conversations with him goes like this. I'll call him up. He picks up. I say, can you talk? For the most part, he'll say yes. So do you mind if we talk shop? He'll say, please. We'll talk business. We'll talk business. Whatever the outcome of that conversation is, conversation's over. We move on to the next thing. So he can stick and move quickly. He's very polite. He wants to do right by the talent. When he feels somebody is pressing him too hard, like any fighter, he'll come out of the corner ready to fight, but he's calculated in the way that he fights. Very, very smart business person, as you know. There it is. So Nick Khan, who was on the Volume Network with Colin Cowherd talking about <laughs> Vince McMahon and his World Wrestling Entertainment Company. I know it's it's heavy on the uh, on the entertainment and not necessarily on the wrestling. I just want you to hear that because I just thought it was interesting. Because that, my friends, was a peek behind the curtain of exactly what's happening in Stanford, Connecticut, in the WWE. Some things I'm sure that you already knew, but it was confirmed there by Nick Khan. They actually are listening to the wrestling fan. And Vince McMahon is not necessarily a gruff person. He's very polite. And the WWE is an entertainment company, and far from a wrestling company. Nick Khan with Colin Cowherd. Thanks for listening to Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Still to come, a lot of more features um, and some things I want you to hear that you might have missed. Conversations as we look at the rest of 2021 in a very interesting way. A lot of stuff happening in this post-pandemic era of professional wrestling. Go back to the archives if you missed any 
conversations or interviews that I might have had on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. And don't forget to follow along on Twitter or on Instagram at WrestlingTWT.